If I could, before we go any further, those that are um, able to stand, given what yesterday and today is, I would like to stand and pledge allegiance, if that's okay. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Um, as it's, um, it's one thing to teach history, as Brother Terrence does, and teach dates and facts. Um, it's a whole other thing altogether to try to teach the feelings and emotions that you remember during the moments of history. And um, yesterday marked 20 years. Lots of you weren't even born or were too small uh, to understand. But um, FDR said after Pearl Harbor, it's a day that will live in infamy. Um, and September 11th, 2001 is also a day that will live in infamy. Um, all of us that are old enough remember exactly where we were, what we were doing. Uh, when the news came uh, and we saw our fellow Americans perish right before our eyes, uh, we made a vow that day, actually 9-12 today. Um, it didn't matter if you were Republican or Democrat, if you were conservative or liberal, we were American. And, and we vowed then, 20 years ago, we would never forget. But we have. We have forgotten. As I watched this week and, and, and the weeks leading into this, um, and I'm, I'm not trying to get political, but I watched our Speaker of the House not even allow the 13 servicemen and women that were killed in Kabul in the attack. She gaveled that down so their names could not be read. And I thought, how, how we have forgotten. Something we said we would never do. But we have. And we are so divided now. I want to get back to the place where we're just Americans. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat or Indian, it doesn't matter with me. We're Americans. And we're, those of us who have been saved, we're children of God. But I do believe we are heading into a dark time if we don't change our course. I believe we are headed headlong uh, toward fulfilling the Scriptures. <clears throat> I heard... The Prime Minister, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but the Prime Minister of Australia mentioned this week um, about how the world will look under the new world order. Back in the late 1980s, George Herbert Walker Bush made that same statement about the new world order. Um, that ought to terrify every 
every American when we hear those words. Republican, Democrat, Independent. Um, all my life I've heard about the end times. The end times began when the Lord Jesus Christ was born into this world. That's what Hebrews says. Now in these last days, He hath spoken unto us by His Son. So the last days actually began with the birth of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I believe we are now in the last days of the last days. And, uh, and we see this new world order and a one world government we see, and I'm going to get into some of that maybe in a minute, but, but uh, let's, just, let's just do our reading and then we'll continue on. If you want to turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Um, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. <clears throat> and I do desire your prayers. As I said, I'm still weak and my lungs still aren't good and my you know, myriad of things seem to keep afflicting me. But... Um, uh, but nevertheless, as Brother Sam said, and I couldn't agree more, brethren and sisters, if there was ever a time in our life that we need to serve the Lord, it's today. Um, I had a dream last night that I had went back in time a little ways and, and, and I, I was telling uh, Bridget and Aaron and Chuck and, and I remember saying, you're... You're fixing to have a little baby, and and I don't know why I said that or dreamt it, but um, but I go to sleep with these children on my mind, and and, and then the generation that's going to come up after our children, and uh, and and men of God have preserved the word of God and liberty and freedom uh, in this country to stand and. And I'll be honest, I don't know how much longer we're going to have the freedom to do this. This week, our National Archives slapped a harmful content label on our founding documents, including the Declaration of Independence and including the Constitution of the United States of America. You say, Preacher, what does all of that have to do with church? Contained within those documents, Give us the freedom of speech and the freedom of religion. If they have declared them harmful, the next logical step would be if they're harmful to do away with them altogether. Thereby prohibiting freedom of religion. I'm telling you, we are in danger of losing everything that every, the blood of every patriot we're in danger of losing what they bled out and died for. And we're in danger of losing the freedom that we have, that I have to stand before this congregation or any congregation and preach unto you the things contained within this book. For it's a matter of time. Some have already labeled the Holy Word as harmful, as not inclusive enough. I would say it's all inclusive for it. It declares all are guilty. But my friends, we are in danger of losing that. And I've thought about all of this this week and, 
And uh, I thought about the last words that the Apostle Paul penned. I thought as we were singing a while ago, how I wish I had the zeal of the Apostle Paul. Apart from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I don't know anybody has ever went through the things that the Apostle Paul went through and still maintained his steadfast hope and his faith. And so as we read the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy, these are the last words, um, at least of the canon, inspired canon of Scripture that he wrote. And I want you to pay attention. It says, I charge thee therefore, he's talking to Timothy, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all of them also that love His appearing. That's me. That's me. And this is heart-wrenching to read to me. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Titus I have sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. And the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, and this is talking about before Nero, at my first answer no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might fully be known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me into His heavenly kingdom, 
to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Melidium sick. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Ebulus greeteth thee, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. As I said, I've thought about the condition um, of our world, and and I don't often title messages, but but um, I would say maybe just keep on keeping on, or something along that line would be my thought today. But as I mentioned, the um, new world order and 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 what Australia is doing and. And they said now they're going to lock people out of the economy. Let, let me be perfectly clear before I go any further. <clears throat> These vaccines, I do not believe, are the mark of the beast. Some is going to take what I'm about to say and apply that. I think they were created to try to help people and try to save lives. That's my opinion. Um, I believe that that's why they were created. But I will say this. Be careful, because if they can mandate and start shutting you out of the economy, that is leading up into the time when they will mandate other things and shut you out of the economy. And that, my friends, will enter in the mark of the beast. The Bible says there's coming a day when man shall not be able to buy or sell or trade except he take that mark. So whenever I hear people, especially those in power, begin to mandate things and saying if you do not comply, uh, we will shut you out of our economy, uh, there's a spirit inside of me uh, that begins to say warning and danger. Uh, For if they can do it with one thing, uh, they will do it with another thing. And as I mentioned, if they begin to label freedom of religion harmful... I see people in our own government today, uh, when Paul wrote unto Timothy, uh, this was a personal letter unto him, uh, but in the third chapter he says this, Know also uh, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of of those that are good, lovers of pleasures more than are lovers of God. That might not be word for word, but it's pretty close. It goes on to say they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And I've saw people in our Congress uh, that will rail on Texas uh, for protecting the unborn children, and and then the same people uh, will hide behind the Bible and say that's their favorite book. I'm sorry, uh, you cannot reconcile those two things. 
uh, they do not go together. Uh, Paul warned of a time when men would preach another Jesus. I want you to understand the Jesus that they serve is not the Jesus uh, that I serve. Uh, for you cannot reconcile. How do you know that preacher? Uh, why are you preaching that preacher? Uh, because as I was thinking this morning, uh, an angel by the name of Gabriel was sent unto a little Hebrew named Mary one time. And he said that thou shalt conceive and that holy thing uh, which is in thee. Uh, my friend, he was the Son of God in her womb. Uh, he wasn't just the Son of God after he was born, uh, but in the womb of Mary uh, was the Son of the living God. He was a breathing, living uh, person inside her womb. Uh, so you can't hide behind the Word of God. God, and then to kill innocent children. It doesn't work that way. Uh, my friend, this is the time uh, that Paul was talking about uh, when he said men shall turn away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables and uh, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. I'm not here this morning uh, to tickle your ears. I'm here this morning uh, to preach unto you uh, the living Word of the living God. And I would say to you one more time, it's in danger of being taken away in this country. You say, preacher, how can you prove that? How do you know that? Uh, because there is a spirit of Antichrist uh, from the highest places in our government and they will begin to clamp down and begin to say uh, that you can't preach that. Uh, can you imagine? There'll be uh, lawsuits if we if we exclude or don't accept into our congregation a member of the LGBT. And and, uh, and I'm saying that uh, to say this, we uh, if there was ever a time, as Sam said, we need to be strong in our doctrine and strong in the faith. He told Timothy that all Scripture is given for rebuke and reprove how you show me a man of God that will not rebuke his flock once in a while. And I'll say he is no man of God. He's one of those that are tickling the ears. Uh, my friend, I'm not here to do that. Uh, but I want you to understand the serious time in which we live. We were talking in Sunday school. I know myriads of people that grew up this way and now they're grown and raising children and now they're going to an unsound church preaching an unsound doctrine, uh, preaching an unsound faith. Uh, we were talking in Sunday school. Uh, does God need your help to save a sinner? Uh, no, He don't need your help to save a sinner. Uh, but what He does expect from His people is to be out and occupy until He comes back and to be about in the Father's business and to be preaching the true doctrine uh, that we seem to have lost even in some Baptist churches that we begin to lose the true doctrine of salvation by grace through faith. Right. But I thought as Timothy was reading this, the Apostle Paul stood in his first imprisonment at Rome. He had freedom. He lived in a house. Men could come to him and go from him, but not here. Now, this was his second imprisonment in Rome, and Nero was a monster. And Nero, Emperor Nero, would light on fire, 
Christians and use them to light up His house of orgies. You might say, Preacher, why are you saying that? I'm simply stating a fact of history to you. That's who now had Paul in chains. And I've read in history that he lived, he was in a, in a deep, dark dungeon in a cell. And they say in the opening of that cell that the only contact he had with the outside world was about an 18 inch square block that he could pass things to and from. And my friend, in this time, he knew that now, he knew that now that God had delivered him out of all of his trials. He said, but now, I know I'm not getting out of this one. And he wanted most importantly had the last thing that he had to say. You know the last thing your loved ones say to you. You know how precious that is. I heard, a, I heard an interview with a, with a retired fireman in New York City. He lost two children in 9-11. One was a fireman and one was a policeman. And he said they called him on the way to the World Trade Center and said, Daddy, this is a big one. And he said, be careful, I love you. And they said, I love you too. And he said, I don't have any regrets. He said, how many times does the last word you speak to somebody that you love say, I love you? And the last words that you hear back are, I love you too. And my friend, the last words that you hear from your loved ones, they, they bear great importance. And so Paul wanted Timothy to understand. Timothy was a young preacher. He was Paul's son in the faith. Paul loved Timothy. And Timothy loved Paul. And Timothy might have been a little meek at times. And I don't know that, but just gathering by what he wrote to him in the past, he kept encouraging him, even in 1 Timothy, to be strong in the faith, to be strong in the grace. He said, he said, the faith that dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and then in thy mother Eunice. He said, I'm persuaded that it's in thee also. He said, to stir up the gift of God. And by that he meant that flame that at times began to flicker. He said, kindle it. Stir it up. He said, I laid my hands on you. And the presbytery laid their hands on you. And the power of God came upon you. He said, Timothy, I don't want you to be ashamed of me. The prisoner... Uh, Paul the aged, Paul was an old man at this time, and so he wanted Timothy to understand uh, to keep on keeping on, uh, to fight the fight of faith. He told him to endure afflictions uh, to make full proof of his ministry. And I've wondered myself sometimes, have I made full proof of my ministry? I don't know. I don't know, but he said, I'm now ready to be offered, and that the time of my departure is at hand. He talked about a God that would one day come and judge the living and the dead, the quick and the dead, a lost sinner today. There's coming a time when the Lord will judge this world, each and every individual soul, by that man whom He hath ordained, Jesus Christ. And you're either found in Him and you'll go on to glory or you are lost without God and you will be sent into everlasting torment where their worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. And that's not preached much on anymore. But hell is a fiery place. It's full of torments. It's full of worms that dies not and the fire shall never be quenched. And my friend, we need to ingrain that into this generation that's growing up in the time of the tickling of the ears, in the time of the, uh, the, the prosperity gospel. He didn't die to make you rich. He didn't die so that you might live in a world of ease. He died to keep you out of hell. He 
uh, that you can be saved and have everlasting life. He wanted Timothy to know above all things that there are things going to come upon you, but to be strong. He said, Timothy, I'm now ready to be offered. You know what that means? I'm ready to die. I'm ready to be poured out as an offering unto God Himself. He knew that this time was different than his other imprisonments. He knew that this time he wasn't going to escape. Nevertheless, he said toward the end, God shall deliver me. What do you mean, Paul? I'm going to be beheaded. I believe Paul went to that guillotine with the faith and grace. I believe he went to the guillotine with a smile on his face. I believe he really did. I believe he went and bare his head. He was a Roman citizen. He, he couldn't be crucified because he was a Roman citizen. I thought about Peter. Jesus told Peter after he rose from the dead, he told Peter, you're going to be crucified if you follow me. He said, Peter, when thou was young, thy legs carried thee wherever they, they would, wherever you wanted to go. But when you shall be old, Thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and others shall carry thee in a place that you don't want to go. In other words, he told Peter, they're going to stretch forth your hands, and they're going to carry you and crucify you. And Peter still served him. I thought about what faith that took. And now in America, uh, you let somebody just uh, just slightly, uh, slightly rebuke Christians. Uh, they're doing it by leaps and bounds today. I told you last week that men have been on national television in recent weeks uh, saying that the religious right, uh, the Christians, the church-going folk, uh, those who believe in a born-again, a uh, blood-bought salvation are as bad as the Taliban. That's what they've said in public on national television uh, going out to millions of people. And so we begin to, we begin to, uh, we begin to scatter. And I thought about that. As Paul said, no man stood with me. He said that people have forsaken me. He said, Timothy, please come to me shortly. He wanted to see him one last time. He wanted to be with him one last time. He wanted to talk to him through that little 18-inch opening just one more time. He said, Timothy, they've all forsaken me. He said, Demas had forsaken me. Demas in other epistles was a faithful minister of Paul. He said, but now he's forsaken me because he loved this present world. Now what does that mean? It means he chose to live and live in comfort and live in ease uh, rather than pound that pulpit and plow the gospel plow. He chose his life. He thought his life uh, was worth more than dying for the cause of Christ. And I'm not condemning him for that. You don't know what you would do, but I would say we better be praying. We better be praying to God to give us the strength and the zeal of the Apostle Paul that even when your friends forsake you, you can stand strong and plow the gospel plow and preach a blood of salvation. For this world is turning that away. It's now just come down. Repeat this and that. Sing a song. Do you want to join the church? Yes. Uh, well, you've got eternal life. I'm sorry. Salvation has never came that way. It has never since the dawn of time came that way. Uh, but it has to come through a trouble and a conviction and a drawing spirit and a drawing power of God. Uh, but you know what you're up against today? There's another spirit that is drawing men today. 
It's the spirit of the Antichrist. And he's drawing men and blinding men to the truth. And now they've been turned into fables. Uh, my friend, any man uh, that will, and I know we get the rap here that we're not sound. I would say to those who say that, the same thing I'm going to tell you. Be careful what you say about the Lord's church. You better be careful. If the Spirit of God is still moving and saving, then my friend, the candlestick is still in its place. And it's not been put out. But I would say unto them exactly what I said unto you. All this fellowship garbage, the time is come. We need to unite together and serve the Lord. If we want a chance to escape what things are coming down the line, it's my job as a preacher to preach to you the gospel. It's my job as a pastor to watch the news on occasion and see what's lying beyond the horizon. It's a difficult balance sometimes. You'll either get accused of not caring about things of the world or you'll get accused of preaching politics. I would say to you today, uh, politics has taken up the bulk of our conversations. But I would say to you, Republicans, I love you. Democrats, I love you. I have no confidence in either one of them. I think they're all corrupt and for the most part. And they've all turned aside. They've all got their own agendas for the most part. And my friend, they have begun to persecute the church of the living God. And that is going to get worse and worse as time goes on. But Paul wanted so badly to see Timothy. And I've read this and wondered why. Why would he mention such trivial things as a cloak? He said, Demas has forsaken me. There's no kind of hurt like the hurt of a brother or a sister forsaking you. How do you know that preacher? I've been there. I've been there. I've had man stand up openly in the house of God and call me names. While I stood in the pulpit, I've been there. It hurts. It hurts deep. Nevertheless, Paul said, Luke, that physician, that doctor, he stayed with me probably to tend to Paul's health while he was in the dungeon. He said, take John Mark. And John Mark at one time forsook Paul. He said, I choose my life. I don't want to suffer. I'm going back home. You can go to Jerusalem. And Barnabas took Mark with him. And Paul took Silas. But now as Paul is aged, he said, Mark is important. Let me say this. You that have been saved and are walking afar off from Him, you that have not really been living right, you that have been sort of just flowing along, you are still profitable under the One that saved you. Amen. He just wants you to come back. Come back into that fold. And Paul said, Luke stayed by my side. He said, Titus, I sent to Dalmatia or Cretans, wherever it was, and he said, others have I left sick, but he said, bring a cloak. Just bring a cloak. That was Paul the age, the Apostle Paul, who gave us the majority of the books of the New Testament. He said, basically, I'm cold and I'm destitute and I have no friends by me anymore, save Luke. And he said, before winter, 
please bring me a coat. Bring me a cloak. It was believed that Paul was taken in the spring or the summer or the fall of the year A.D. 67. And winter was now drawing on. And he said, I need my coat. I need my cloak that I left at at, uh, at wherever it was. He said, I left it there. And he said, bring also the books and especially the parchments. Now you'd think, what would what would one that's in prison about to be beheaded want with books and parchments? It doesn't tell us what they were, but I believe it was parchments, especially the parchments. I believe it was the Word of God. I believe it was the Scripture. I believe that in his last days, he wanted to read about the one that had saved his soul. I believe he wanted to read the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. I believe he wanted comfort. I believe he wanted one more time for Timothy to come and that he might instruct him better. Did Timothy make it in time? I have no idea. Maybe he did. I hope and pray that he did. Maybe he made it to Paul in time. But Paul went out to be beheaded, I think, with a smile on his face. Because you read there at the end, he said, The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, from every evil work, and will preserve me to his heavenly kingdom. He was about to be beheaded. He understood that. He said, Timothy, I have fought a good fight. That's the question I would wage to you and to myself. Brother Danny read this morning about putting on the whole armor of God. Have you fought? And if so, have you fought a good fight? Not just a fight, but a good fight. You mark her down, my friends. They have openly waged war against the church of the living God. Openly waged war against men and women who want to assemble together like we are right now. They are openly not hiding behind it, but still hiding behind that form of religion, but denying the power thereof. I'm not judging their soul, but I will say what they're saying is not what they're doing. They seem to be honoring God with their lips, but based on their actions, their heart is far from Him. And Paul said that those men are reprobate concerning the faith. That's what he said. That's not my words. That's the words in the holy book that the Apostle Paul said they are reprobate concerning the faith. And so my friends, they'll hide behind. Election time, they'll go out and they'll they'll begin to quote Scripture. They'll begin to go to church and quote Scripture. They'll begin to have people make their pictures on television so they can pass them out and say, I'm trying to fight the good fight for you people. When honestly in their heart they despise you. They really do. In their minds they're the, the church and I believe it to be true. The church of the living God is the only thing standing between our declaration of independence and our constitution and our freedom of speech and religion and going full on communist right now. Amen. Under God I don't know what it's going to take To wake up those who have been asleep for such a long time. But my friend, we are on the verge of becoming a dark, dark nation. A dark nation. We're on the verge. All Scripture is given so you can rebuke and reprove. I want you to know the 
Saying what I just said doesn't bring me joy. It breaks my heart. Because I've read the founding documents. I understood the framers. I understood what they fought against. I understood what they rebelled against. They waged war over freedoms and they, and they had more freedoms then than you do today. And they waged war against England. I'm not trying to get you to go out and wage war with guns. But I'm saying if we don't start waging war on our knees before a holy God, then America and the American experiment is over and it's finished. And the candlestick will be removed. And what will you do in that day? Will you stand with the Apostle Paul? He said nobody else did. He said they all forsook me. He said Alexander the coppersmith has did me much evil. He said beware of him. For he hath greatly withstood our words. And so I would say to you, beware of men today that withstand the words of the living God. And I would say unto you, sinner, the time is quickly drawing to, to a time and to an end uh, when He shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing. What are you waiting for? your heart. Bless your heart, Aaron. That's, that's the Bible, what she just quoted to you. It was a woman by the name of Esther. And her husband was the king. And her husband was a monster. And Malachi told her, Esther, if you don't go before your husband the king, the Jewish people or to be slaughtered. It was already marked on the calendar. And he said, who knows whether you were raised for such a time as this. You were brought into the palace of the king when nobody else was. You were. You could have been born anywhere at any time in any place in history. You find yourself in 2021 in Lafayette, Tennessee, at Lafayette Missionary Baptist Church. There's a reason for that. There's a purpose for that. I'm just warning you, if we don't turn around as a nation, the time is coming when we're going to have to gather in homes. We're going to have to go underground. Preacher, that's a bold statement. I'll stand by what I said. 
it can be snuffed out that quick. One executive order from an ungodly man. Let me make it clear. I don't like when Republicans do executive orders either. I think it should all be voted on by the people and for the people. But all it takes is one mandate, one executive order, and the church as you know it is no more. Now the church will remain, but the church as you know it will be no more. Now's the time. Now's the opportunity. Paul, with his dying words, said, Timothy, please, please do your best to get here before winter. I don't know how many more days I've got, but I know my time is drawing to an end. Timothy, fight the fight. Endure afflictions. And keep on keeping on. God bless you. That's my message.